Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent. Today, we're abandoning our usual format because we have a special guest. We'll only have an interview segment this week, and Michelle Rendell's to ask the question. Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast. This is Michelle Rindell's reporter for the Nevada Independent. I have with me today Rachel, who is currently on probation. Yes. And Rachel's probation officer, Gianna. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to talk today kind of about issues uh, that face people that are on parole and probation, uh, re-entering into the community, what the state is doing, what's new, um, and what can be improved. So um, now that we have you here, Rachel, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey, um, how you got into the probation system. Um, my journey is basically what Nevada needs to fix right now, and that's mental health. Um, I, I'm bipolar, OCD, ADD, and I wasn't diagnosed until late in life. And um, I self-medicated along the way. And in and out of jail, which out here, that's, that's where I, I learned exactly what the issues are. Um, I mean, in Nevada, just last year, they were, f- I think, 51st in mental health. And 19% of uh, Nevada adults suffer from mental illness, and 67% don't even get treated. And then, and the uh, national average is 60 or 56%. So that's a huge issue when you're last, and then for getting treated, you're 10% lower than the national average. Like, there's a huge issue there. Do you feel like while you were going in and out of jail, you were getting treatment there that helped you get stabilized in jail no not at all mm-hmm. and every almost 90 percent of the girls that I was in there with suffered from mental illness and they were in there because of drugs basically because mm-hmm. self-medicating you know it's there's such a stigma attached to mental he- illness that it's like you know you're just kind of thrown away with society and this program the DRC they took someone like me and, you know, saw something. And that's, that's what we need. You know, you just need one person to see something in you that, I mean, I didn't see it in me for a really long time. So Rachel referred to the DRC. That's the Day Reporting Center. It's a new facility in Vegas. It's in uh, in downtown. It's this you know two story building uh, that's kind of been refurbished. They've got computers there for kind of a computer lab going on. And they've got rooms uh, where people can take classes that are ninety minutes long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they can get connected with other resources uh, to kind of help them stay yeah. on track. They have Job and- Connect, set you up with housing, um, healthcare and um, ba- basically like rehabilitation sort of mm-hmm. to, to get you back into society. Mm-hmm. And like I've, I've seen both sides with probation, unfortunately. I had one probation officer who treated me like a statistic and didn't want to see anything in me. And then on the flip side, got Officer Griffin and the Day Reporting Center. And it's crazy how it's completely different, Mm -hmm. you know, in the same um, system, you know, with probation, parole and probation, 
how some people can be totally different than others. And that's what the state needs. It's not all about funding, which, I mean, that's a huge um, thing, obviously. But what I want to really stress is they need people and facilities and good people who can see the person behind the addict. Mm -hmm. Tell me about leaving jail um, and, Which and time? what was no, provided <laughs> the most recent time. What was what was um, what was there to meet you on the other side when you uh, walked out of those doors? Well, my mom was there every single time. Um, but there was a lot of fear un until the, the final time that I walked out. Um, I, it was a revolving door because I really didn't care because I knew when I got out, nothing was going to change. And I was just going to go back to trying to fix myself my own way, which obviously didn't work for a really long time. So, um, but this last time it's, I walked out and, you know, there's hope. Mm -hmm. And then they get to get you plugged into the DRC at that point. Well, I, I was kind of plugged into it several times. Um, but I didn't, I didn't do the program at all. I didn't care. Um, and, but this last time I, they actually fought for me with my mom to get into treatment. And that, that showed a lot to me. It's like, these people are strangers and they're fighting for me. And I wasn't fighting for myself mm -hmm. anymore. Gianna, you, you met uh, Rachel at some point along the way. Tell me about, uh, you know, tell me about that first <laughs> encounter and what you saw in her. Oh my, our first encounter, it was crazy. Um, our first encounter was crazy. Uh, she fought me <laughs> tooth and nail. It was a long battle. Uh, I believe our, we started in like December and I was trying to get her to come in and she would, okay, I'll be there and she wouldn't show and we'd get her, someone would bring her in and she test positive and all right we're gonna have you do treatment and she wouldn't you know come back and we go looking for her and then she disappear again and you know it was just like a off and on off and on and we'd arrest her and you know I'd go and I'd say okay so we're gonna bring her back and we're gonna try this again so we did this about twice so the, the second time the we third said, time is no the third it. time yeah you're it right. was three the third time we put her in the Salvation Army and she there was some issue and they want they let her go so by this time you know we had had so many ups and downs with her and we had been working with her for about five or six months and I was just like I said to my sergeant I said you know I don't want to arrest her and he says yeah neither do I so. Our, our program director at Sentinel, he says, I don't either. So we were scrambling to try to find a program to put her in. And she didn't have a private insurance that someone would take. So it was just like, what do we do? So we're on the board. The program director of Sentinel, Justin Lynn and myself, we're on the neighborhood council for East Valley Family Services. So we had to go to a meeting with them, and we were like, okay, we need to talk to them and see what we can find. But we thought about it, and we said, well, 
uh, American Addiction had came in and, you know, let's see what they have. So we called them and they were like, well, we only take private insurance and self-pay. So when Justin said it, she screams out, we'll pay. And I'm looking at her like, you don't even know how much. Just shut up. <laughs> so she goes, no, we'll pay. And she's not even listening to me. So he goes, hold on. He's like, it might be kind of costly. I don't care. We'll pay. So he gets the information and he goes, you, you see his face light up. And she was like, I don't care how much it is. So he says, all right, we'll get back to you. So he tells her, call her mom. And we give him the information. Her mom comes down there and her mom pays. So we leave. Justin and I leave to go to our meeting. We get the phone call that they came and picked her up and took her. So we just looked at each other and was like, are you serious? It was $12,000. It was a solutions. Solutions. Mm -hmm. They took her to solutions. We told her, if you mess up, we are going to give your mother the handcuffs to personally lock you up and throw away the key. And, you know, it, it was it was really hard for her mom, you know, and she's just like, I don't want to see her go to jail, but she needs help. And we did. We pushed and we pushed, and, and we made sure, you know, that we told her, you have to stop. So we supported her with that decision to go into solutions, and we went down there. We even went and seen her, my sergeant, myself, our program manager, and when she saw my sergeant standing in the hallway, she looked. And she turned around and she went to run. And then she said she thought about it. And she's like, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> and she came and she cried. And we talked to some of the staff there. And they said she's been phenomenal. <laughs> you know, she finally realized, you know, I'm worth it. You know, and ever since then, you know, she's been positive. She's just been on the go, you know, trying to better herself. And she has her days and she struggles. And I say, no, you know, you just got to keep your head up. You know, each day you have to wake up and say, I'm going to fight this battle, you know. So we're at 156 days. And that's the thing, like, when, when did you ever think that you'd hear a probation officer talking like this? You know, and I and I think that's why originally I fought the program so hard because I was so used to people just pushing me aside, mm-hmm. you know, as like another bed to fill in jail, basically. Finally, I just, I mean, I realized that I am worth fighting for, mm-hmm. and I'll, and that's that's why I'm I I go back and forth, like you know why. Do people want to talk to me? Why do people want my story? But it's, I kind of feel like I can sort of be the voice for other guys and girls in jail that are silenced right now and don't have anyone to talk to. So. So obviously there's, you know, the substance abuse issues. And then as you mentioned, bipolar disorder and some other things. how how does Nevada need to be helping people um, with with conditions like that and and to ensure that you're staying on track? Well, number one is um, the legislature needs to prioritize mental health in Nevada, ranked fifty first. That's absolutely ridiculous, and then ten percent higher than the national average as far as people getting treatment for their mental illness. 
and it's the jails are just full of people suffering from mental illness and that there needs to be funding like i said the legislature needs to put that on the top of their priority list right now and from those times that you spent in jail, what, what was it that you saw? You said there were a lot of other women that were dealing with oh, health issues. Oh, probably 95% of the girls that I was in jail with. And, I mean, everybody was there basically for drug-related crimes, for testing positive because they're on probation or getting caught, you know, with drugs on them. But then they come into jail and start to kind of find out that maybe something's wrong because they medicate you in jail. So it's that that is what needs to be addressed first. What's the plan that you guys have been working on? I mean, we're, you said we're at day 156 mm-hmm. of being sober. Yes. Um, what is the long-term plan? I imagine probation's going to be continuing. Yes. Uh, right now, we're, we're focusing on her staying sober, staying clean. Um, Staying on the right combination of medications, that's Um, the number one. For her mental health and, you know, some of her other health ailments, we have to be careful because, you know, certain medications can cause her to test positive, and we have had that issue. Um, But we've been working with her. We work with different um, counseling agencies, so she signed some releases so that they can work with her doctors to make sure that, they're giving her the medications that won't allow her to test positive. So that was that's one start. Um, next, we're working with trying to help her integrate back into society, work, um, housing, because she lives with mom, and I know she's driving mom daddy. <laughs> um, reestablishing family connections, making sure that she is take, making the right decision. So she's taking MRT, which is more recognition uh, therapy. One of her things is making the proper decisions. Um, she's a very friendly, outgoing person. So sometimes she's too friendly with people. So right now, like I told her, just focus on you. You know, you can't, you can't help everybody until you help yourself. So we just want her to stay focused, you know, and, and worry about getting to her next level. Um, but she's military. She's former military. <laughs> so we're working on getting her back on that track and getting her into a place where she's able to venture out to the next phase in life, um, living on her own and not worrying about, you know, am I going to fall off or anything like that. So we do have some codependency issues, so we're working on that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but when she comes to the office, you know, if she needs to come in and sit down and vent or, you know, express some things that's going on, being there to listen. And many of us in the office are there for her. You know, when she becomes frustrated, you know, giving her that word of encouragement, letting her know it's okay. You know, you're going to have those bad days, but it's up to you. You have to make that decision. And to they're, say, I'm they're not like that with fall. everybody in the program. Right. And it's not just it's her. Sh- yeah, exactly, I mean, it's just, know. it's all across the board. Right. The, I the tend program. to take on more <laughs> people. You know, I've, I've, I've just become the one. I'm. <sighs> 
I call them my projects. You know? <laughs> and she said to me today, uh, another young lady, says, what is she doing here? Same thing you're doing here, and I'm doing the same thing. I'm talking to her mom. I'm getting on her case, and and she's just like. It was it was a, just another <laughs> girl that I was in jail with. You mm-hmm. know, same story, and just a revolving door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you seem to enjoy your job. I love what I do. Um, I love to see people do good. You know, and mental health is an issue. And it needs to be addressed. Addiction is an issue. Many of these people, this is her first crime, you know, her first big thing, um, her first felony. It's it not a felony. Mean, that's right. You're a broken misdemeanor. <laughs> Let me get that clear. I, you're, you're correct. I apologize. Her, fir- her first gross misdemeanor, it doesn't make her, you know, this lifelong criminal. People make mistakes. She was in an addiction, she committed a crime. It doesn't mean that she has to be treated like, you know, she's the worst person in the world. So let's help her get her life back in order so that she doesn't become a felon, so that she doesn't become a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten time felon. All it takes is a little bit of compassion, you know, and a little bit of assistance to get them back on track. Is it going to help everyone? No. Am I going to be able to save the world? No. One step at a time, one person at a time. If we can help one here, one there, you're on your way to doing something. And that's what it's all about. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us and sharing this um, story of hope, I think, for a lot of people who are in similar situations. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. This is Michelle Rendell's reporter with the Nevada Independent. I'm here today with uh, Major Ann Carpenter and Sergeant Don Morgan, both of the Division of Parole and Probation. Thank you guys so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so in the 2017 legislative session, there was quite a bit that happened uh, that prompted changes for the division. Um, one of the things, of course, has been this new day reporting center. And we talked with um, a probation officer and a client who have been using the service. But um, if you can kind of explain to me a little bit about what that is, um, what a typical day looks like for the folks over at parole and probation that are staffing this day reporting center. This is a site in downtown Las Vegas where people can check in with parole officers and get other services. Yes. Um, a, a typical day is we bring the participant in. We, do not, we don't call them offenders down at the day reporting center. We call them participants because it's a, a more open and inviting title for them. Um, so it, it's, we set an environment where it's less of a law enforcement type atmosphere and more of the social work, the uh, do things that uh, will benefit them. Um, that's that's one of the major things is the environment that we set. And once the participants come in, they are uh, they feel comfortable, and then they're more open to get uh, be more receptive to the resources that we have at the day reporting center. One of the things that struck me when I first started reporting on the day reporting center is that this is a little bit of a change from maybe what was done in the past and maybe it was a little more of a, a distant uh, situation where people would maybe check in with somebody and 
check a few boxes, um, but there wasn't as much interaction. Is that your understanding? Yes, that's that's the way that we've done it for years. But now with our, our new model of where we want to uh, get to know the offender or the participant and get more involved in their lives and their background so we can come up with a better uh, plan for them to succeed. So uh, getting to know their family members um, is a big thing for us too so we get more involved in their lives. Uh And then this has also involved a new what you guys call the risk assessment tool, right? So you're asking more questions at the front end to try to understand what's going on in the the person's life. Correct. And the new scoring tool, let me, let me just back up. Our original scoring tool was from 1979. And so when everybody hears that, they're thinking, oh my goodness, it's so old. And it is it is a little bit antiquated. However, it's a validated tool that we've used. And the legislature uh, gave us funding to have a new scoring tool. So with this new scoring tool, it's from uh, Ohio. And when we adopt it, it'll be the NRAS Nevada. Uh, we'll take over. It won't be ORIS, but NRAS. And you're right. This The scoring tool helps our officers uh, interact with our offenders, find out information, both their risks and their needs, and to try to help them in the need category. Uh, in the past, we were focused more on the risks of, of if they were dangerous and that sort of thing, and that is important. But again, we really need to look at the person's need and how we can help them be more productive in that area. So, mm-hmm. And it sounds like parole and probation officers have a lot of discretion when when someone is is having trouble or maybe having a positive drug test at that point you can choose to send them back to jail right or or put them in some other programming. Correct. And so the officers have a a ton of discretion. And what I want to make clear is that our role at parole and probation is to enforce the rules that the parole board uh, dictates and the district court judges dictate throughout the state. And so they give us the conditions and we enforce. And so this is the first time after the session that we have intermediate sanctions and different types of sanctions that we can utilize and not just jail. And I think that's why the Day Reporting Center is so critical. Mm-hmm. There's obviously other programs in the community to help people that are are reentering, you know, into the community. You've got AA programs and things like that. So what is the, uh, the Day Reporting Center? What kind of niche are you guys trying to fill with that? Uh, what we're doing, we the Day Reporting Center, we provide wraparound services or what we call a one-stop shop where um, the the participant could come in and he could see a counselor, um, he could see his probation officer, or uh, get referred to organizations like FIT, Foundation for Independent Tomorrow, uh, Nevada Partners, East Valley Services, for not only jobs, but career training. So um, we also use Nevada Job Connect, uh, the day reporting center mm-hmm. also. So with, um, we're big on trying to get our participants jobs and not only jobs, get them careers so they can go on and better their lives. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, are there things you guys see that are barriers right now? Um, obviously, we're in a point where we have pretty low unemployment, but it's harder if you have some sort of a record. So are, are you guys seeing a need, I guess, for job opportunities for folks uh, leaving prison and jail? Oh, absolutely. We do. Uh, have a need and the day reporting center we're always looking for additional resources um, grants and things of that nature to come in and help support our population uh, because we feel that you know 
we need to get them up and running and make them a uh, law-abiding citizen. And a part of that is relieving the stress of money, financial issues. So um, I've always encouraged different community resources to get involved with the Day Reporting Center, especially uh, when it comes to jobs, and be open. Some of our participants there, they honestly made a mistake in life. You know, they're not career criminals, but just keep an open mind when it comes to uh, job opportunities Mm -hmm. for that population. Nevada's invested, I think it's $1.3 million over the biennium, I believe, um, into the Day Reporting Center program. Have you guys seen, um, you know, a return on investment? Is it working better than the old uh, model that we had in place? And do you guys have evidence that it's doing so? It's very early to tell right now. UNLV has partnered with us, and we are doing a research study. And so we have interns collecting all the data. We'll have historical data, and we'll have data from the Day Reporting Center, as well as people that were not, um, there wasn't enough room. And so we'll see, hopefully by January, what the results uh, say. Mm -hmm. So I think in January, we'll have some information for Mm -hmm. you. What does the typical day look like? Are people coming in, you know, once every two weeks, or are they coming in more more frequently than that? They're they're coming in. Uh, the majority of the participants are coming in once a week to attend their uh, moral recognition therapy class. Um, if there are issues and the division decides to put them into a separate class, such as if they need parenting, if they need substance abuse, one-on-one counseling, then we add those additional days. So for the most part, um, it's once per week. And um, with those additional days, it could get up to three times Mm -hmm. per week. And, you know, the director, Natalie Wood, had said her vision is maybe this center is also going to be providing other services like a food bank. And I know when I went, there were mm-hmm. um, there were just different supplies people could yes. pick up. Um, what other services are there available now at this point at the center? Oh, wow. Okay. At, at this point, again, we're working with Nevada Partners, mm-hmm. right? And they're doing an excellent job with um, getting our participants into the culinary school. We've had tremendous success with their program. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Valley Services, who are um, individuals or participants who do not have license, driver's license or IDs or birth certificates, they're doing a great job of getting these people these needs. Um, and FIT, Foundation for Independent Tomorrow, they are awesome in um, getting our participants jobs and things of that nature so um we're we're providing those wraparound service we're absolutely um happy with what we have right now but we're definitely not satisfied when it comes to services so again i always reach out to uh community resources to say hey you know come and support our program because Mm -hmm. um we're showing great results right now um we've been operational for about 10 months now um We've had 54 uh, participants who have graduated our program, and our program um, takes about six, anywhere from six to eight months to complete. So we're, we're rolling and we're having, experiencing tremendous success. What does it mean to graduate from the Day Reporting Center? I, I imagine that's not always meaning you're done with your probation, no. right? No. So mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't mean that you're done with your probation. It means that you successfully completed well, uh, the moral recognition therapy class or any additional classes that we refer to you. Um, in addition to graduation, they have to complete 20 hours of community service mm-hmm. and they have to show a pattern of compliance um, mm-hmm. while in the day reporting center. Mm-hmm. And based on 
the totality, they get a, a certificate of achievement, which we um, like to make uh, have a big ceremony for them and graduate mm -hmm. them, in it, and it seems to keep them on that positive vibe. Mm -hmm. Moral recognition therapy, can you explain that to folks that haven't been through the program? Okay, so that's just a, it's a cognitive behavior, and I know that's wordy also, but it, what happens is it teaches the participant how to make decisions um, when it comes down to uh, addiction when it comes down to anger management or impulse control so the more recognition recognition therapy is helps them assist with decision making mm -hmm. uh, as people that work every day with a you know a population that's struggling with mental illness or or you know a criminal record or uh, different things what are the recommendations you guys have that Nevada needs to be doing to help this population are you talking mentally ill and uh, drug addiction yeah. and, and those yeah, types of especially things? especially that group. Well, I think for, uh, for me, on a higher level, I would love to see Nevada look at uh, transitional housing of some sort. When people come out of prison, they really need some place to go. Uh, two weeks, a month, sometimes isn't long enough for someone to get their feet on the ground. I'd love to have some wraparound services for these people in the sense of they get out and they don't have clothing, they don't have food, they don't have... Uh, any basic necessity that we, we all probably take for granted. Mentally ill offenders, I would love to have some kind of support, whether it's um, a, a brick-and-mortar structure or a, just a, a place for them to go and, and give our officers resources. We, we don't seem to have enough resources for that population. And then with the drug, drug addictions, I think that if we could have more training to find out about addiction and then not only have training but to have um, – more sanctions that would assist them. Uh, putting somebody in jail because they're addicted to drugs isn't the answer. Maybe more detox centers so where they could dry out. Um, there's, there's a lot of ideas out there. It just depends on where our society wants to go with it and, and if we're going to receive the funding. Mm -hmm. yep. And I, I agree with the major on that. There, um, there is a, a lack of resources, especially for our mentally ill population. Um, we still have to address those needs and it's it's a struggle for parole and probation because you know, sometimes it backs us into a corner where jail is uh, the only opportunity to save them from themselves um, because of the lack of resources but we've, we've been working uh, to develop those uh, programs and ultimately we have to have some of those major grants come in here and assist not only parole and probation, but the mental health community mm -hmm. as a whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's something when you're putting people in jail, you know, the state's paying, what, $140 a day or something? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. To keep people there when perhaps a mental health solution is Would be better. more appropriate. Mm -hmm. yeah. so. and, and jail's not the, the solution. We've pro The division of parole and probation has come a long way from where we're just trying to lock people up. I mean, we have these programs um, that were, they're new. Um, that we're trying to assist and that, that's helping us uh, with viable intermediate sanctions uh, instead of locking people up. So mm -hmm. uh, we've made great strides mm -hmm. from, I would say, 2013 mm -hmm. to now where we're at. It's, yes. So it's a world of difference. Mm -hmm. We're almost out of time, but I'm hoping you guys can tell us a little bit about um, 
parole and probation jobs and, and what that job requires, what it entails. I hear you guys are always hiring. So we we are always hiring. Um, some of the, the qualifications are um, you have to uh, have two years in customer service or, mili- um, or a military background. Um, in addition, you have to pass a physical uh, PT test. Um, and then you'll go into an interview where um, you'll go and interview for the job. If you pass the interview, then you go into background. Um, you pass background, then you go into the academy. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the job is, uh, it's a great job. I love it. I have a, a huge passion for it because I get to do um, work with the community that I work with. Uh, it's more of a law enforcement slash social work type job. So we, um, we do have the law enforcement capacity, but the social work aspect of it is uh, what, you know, I thrive on. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it really sounds like you guys are mm-hmm. doing social work a lot of the time. So, well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to explain what's new in parole and probation and, and how this uh, new day reporting center is working. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank, thank you. you. We want to know what you think about this podcast. If you have ideas, criticism, or even praise. Yeah, we love praise once in a while. Email us at ideas at thenvindy.com. And please check out the site if you haven't already. It's the nevadaindependent.com. Also, I want to thank our wonderful hosts, as always, at KUNV on the campus of UNLV. And as always, many thanks to Joey Lovato. He's our fantastic producer who makes us all sound... Podcast Smooth. Oh, is Michelle Podcast Smooth? Yes, she is. Anyone is Podcast Smooth compared to me, though. I'm John Ralston. Thanks for listening to Indie Matters. We'll talk to you next week. Indie Matters.